It's Thursday, August 16th, 2018, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 232, StarCraft in the Past. Runtime for this episode is 1 hour 8 minutes. And welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that preaches equality for orcs. My name is Jeremy. I can buy specific items at the hero store, but they're all useless. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. I'm the new random guy, Chris. I think we've mentioned you before. We probably He's have. He's been I mentioned know Zach on has. the episodes at least once. We've been trying to get Chris on for like two months now. And finally, I'm available the same time they are. Thanks to, you know, family being gone. Whose family, though? And why? Find out next time. The implications, though, just imagine the mystery we can weave for our audience. So this week, we're going to be playing Warcraft 3. Playing Warcraft 3, we already played it. We're going to be talking about it, though, because it's great. It's one of them Blizzard games, and then they made an MMO, so they'll never make a sequel to it, because that thing still just prints money, even when no one's playing it anymore. I feel like people are still playing it, though, and that's the problem. Actually, recently, they've been losing a lot of fan base because of the new expansion, basically turned it from a gray area where which is good and evil to horde is strictly evil and a lot of the horde players don't like that at all so they're losing a lot of their fan base because of it back on that well orc jesus left like four expansions ago well not even that but like all the main bad guys recently has been horde characters and we've lost all of our war chiefs basically almost every expansion like all the main characters that you think of either turn bad or has died. And then... What happened to Sylvanas? I never know what happened to Sylvanas. She actually just became War Chief at the end <laughs> of the last expansion. <laughs> I was going to say, she's pretty death-proof. But she's now the evil person in this expansion. <laughs> I see. So, I mean, I haven't really played the new expansion, what? so I don't know too much about it. I just know a lot of my friends are just like, they're almost boycotting it because of all the events going on. And it makes me... I've, I bought the expansion... But I don't want to play it now because of all that. What about Tychondrius? Did he die like six expansions ago when he was clearly plotting against everyone? That seems like what would have happened. I, I don't think so, actually. I don't. Or is remember, he secretly though. still a good guy? Because he's like, I am the evil vizier. It would be far too obvious for me to betray everyone. <laughs> I think that's what he's trying to do, but he's just confused. So Ty- he's an incompetent evil vizier. <laughs> yes. So Tychondrius for war chief? Or... Thrall, come back. We need you to be president again. Well, we have to find Thrall, but that would be the preferable one. Yeah, to be entirely fair, that's how this entire franchise started. Orcs were evil, humans were the good guys. That, it's un- just going and, back to the start. And in this game, undead are evil. and <laughs> orcs, orcs and are, humans and yeah, night elves are the good, good guys. guys. Night elves are kind of dicks now. I know it's weird that they would make that stylistic choice like, what, 20 years later? Uh, it's know. not that long. It's like 2002. It's like It's over 15 years old. It's not 20 years old. We're so old. So you're saying we could all play WoW for the podcast? Well, yeah. If (laughs) if they release a vanilla WoW server, I'm going to call it. They're actually releasing it um, during one of the patches for this one. So in the next few months, there's going to be a vanilla server. We should definitely do that. Because vanilla WoW and current WoW are such different games. I often describe World of Warcraft as the Darth Vader of video games. It's just system built on systems that were built on systems. It's like become self-aware. Yeah, now you can play Bejeweled. That's been there for like 10 years. Yeah, I know. 
Now oh, you can play Hearthstone, play, I think. Yeah, you play Hearthstone. And you can also play <laughs> Pokemon within World of Warcraft. You catch That's also pets, true. Then go it's got capture pets. Warthog, I choose you. Or is it a Puma? <laughs> None of us except Chris have been playing World of Warcraft. So, yeah, Zach, what have you been playing? MechWarrior Online. That's Almost all I've exclusively. been playing. The Zach has been playing MechWarrior Online section of the podcast. It's been brought to you by MechWarrior Online. I so mean, he it's... did try to proposition me to play Battletech, to be fair. I was just out much later than I expected to be last night. Or maybe it was Sunday. I don't even it remember It was Sunday, Sunday, and you came Sunday. back and immediately started playing Arkham Knight. So I was like, well, he clearly doesn't want to play Battletech, so I'll ignore him. Yep. See, I remember because I was trying to get information out of him, and I fell asleep, which was on me. And then when I woke up, he was playing Arkham Knight. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I just saw that and was like, oh, okay. Now, mostly I started it, and then I fell asleep, so... So Sunday was a sleepy day. I have yeah. I, I actually did play some Battletech on Sunday as well. Against someone or just the campaign? Just the campaign. I'm still trying to get myself an atlas before I continue with the campaign, and it's eluding me, which is annoying, but fortunately the game has my favorite other mech in it, and I happen to have one. I just never use it. Because it's too valuable? I can't replace any of the parts. So if they happen to get destroyed on a random mission, it means I can't fix it. Which means it's not worth risking it until you have extras? Well, you can't get extras. That's kind of the problem with it. And I'm playing it on Iron Man, so I'm only busting that mech out for the story missions, which are, in theory, going to be more difficult. So I actually need its additional firepower. Have they actually been more difficult in practice? I think I'm overleveled effectively for it. Because it's like, hey, this is going to be a really difficult mission with all these light mechs. And I'm like, well, my Lance of Four Assault class battle mechs should will probably be able to get this done. And yep, I just turned that into a... Grease stain. All right, I guess that Gauss rifle was a little bit of overkill against those two light mechs, but... Did you then stop on it? Would you say, maybe, that you were making bacon pancakes? Zach would never say that. Oh, well... I did it... get the achievement Highlander Burial. That's a pretty good one. Is land a Highlander on someone? It is you kill a light mech with a Highlander. That's more disappointing. I really wanted to be DFA. Y with a DFA. Oh, okay. Yeah, then, never mind. I am mollified. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> the, um... Highlander in its fluff, actually, specifically is supposed to have reinforced legs, so that you can... For hopping on people. Yes, to uh, facilitate dropping 90 tons of battle mech on somebody's face. That's the one piece of lost tech they give you for the campaign, is they give you a Highlander with a Gauss rifle and a couple of other fun things. And that's the mech I don't use, because I can't fix those, I can't replace them. So instead, it sits in my dropship. Because they're lost tech? Because they're lost tech, and, if okay. I rem and unless they've changed something since I last looked, they haven't actually added into the game a way to get your hands on more lost tech. But do you have a collapsible cup? No, but I do have a swimming pool on board my uh, ship. As soon as you build a swimming pool on board your dropship, you're like your flagship dropship, you get the event skinny dipping. <laughs> when a bunch of your pilots are apparently going skinny dipping in the pool. So wait, it becomes a Persona game for five minutes and then <laughs> remembers it's a mech warrior well, you have, game? It's, the events are just, the pop, are just like these pop-up events where <laughs> stuff is happening and you have to make a decision about what to do. Like, so one it's of a them, Tails game. One of them threw, ended up throwing my, uh, I threw one of my best pilots out because I didn't know what would happen when I hit the button. So, but other ones like I've gotten money from them, I've had morale go up. So I guess it's more like a roguelike, or specifically like, uh, why can't I think of that name? FTO? Yes, thank you. Not quite, because you're actually taking, you're specifically taking missions in order to go make money. Well, I mean, the events are like that. Yeah, I guess. Like, the second time around, they added a bunch more, which really helped flesh that out and make them a bit better, as opposed to getting the same, like, five events over and over again. 
yeah, it's still a fun game. I'd like to try it against people, but I'm the only one that plays it, so that's not going to happen. One of these days, I'll get around to it. You keep saying that. I mean, do you know how much free time I have? The answer is not much. Is on the top of my video game list. I just keep putting stuff above it. (laughs) (laughs) Then what is the point of a list? Uh, Well, it's if I don't want to play anything specific, I have something at the top, and I'm like, that's it. Mm. But I want to play Arkham Knight because Tyler's playing it. I want to play Kingdom Hearts because I'm mildly excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. When is that coming out? This year? Maybe. Like, I won't believe it until I see it on a store shelf, and even then I'll be skeptical. (laughs) But I finally beat Wind Waker, and like Wind Waker and Kingdom Hearts are like the two games that all throughout high school I tried to play through, and just every time I started, something in my life exploded, and they didn't happen. So I finally finished Wind Waker six years after the remake came out. So I want to do the same thing for Kingdom Hearts. I'm actually debating whether, like, whether I can, in good conscience, recommend the original Kingdom Hearts. My brother keeps Kingdom telling Hearts me not to play it, but I'm a completionist, so. Kingdom Hearts 2 is just a lot better. Th- that's what so. he says every time, and the copy I have is Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, but. Like, I'm not sure if it's that the first one is bad, it's just that the second one's better. Anything else, Zach? Just those two, for the most part. I've got some fun MWO stories, but I don't want to go into those right now. What have you been up to, Tyler? What have I been up to? Obviously, Arkham Knight, as as we alluded to. I They're... put that in and installed the patches. <laughs> so one of these years, we'll get, finish installing the patches. I don't know that I have anything new to say about it. It's still pretty good. The have... Joker's still a snarky asshole, so... Have you hit the major story twist yet? Yes. Yes, I have. Do you have thoughts? Um, I saw it coming a mile away. I mean, it is kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, they foreshadowed it well, so I think they wanted it to be obvious. Yeah, that's just a character that DC, the entity, has not been able to decide what they want to do with. And so his inclusion with that game is, like, very consistent with what that character was doing when that game launched. And they completely 180'd, like, right after that. You and I are talking about very different things I think so. (laughs) Maybe. So what I'm I talking about was, the identity of the Arkham Knight. Yeah, and I'm talking about the thing with the Joker bloods. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> that's dumb? <laughs> I mean, it's not the dumbest thing Joker blood has done in the last five years, but... I don't know. There's a really cool scene there, though, where, like, I don't know, you get locked away, and then secretly you don't get locked away, and you, like, replay the event in your head until you do... Okay, what that part is pretty cool. Although, yeah. th- that kind of has cool bits. I mean, the game has a bunch of cool bits like that, but... Really, I just love the Riddler, and he's actually useful in this game, so. I just read Dark Knight, Dark City, which is this super, like, relevant comic from the early 90s, and relevant in that current writers keep referencing it, which is about the Riddler being possessed by a demon that was summoned by Thomas Jefferson, and is in the foundations of (laughs) Gotham City, and it is rad as hell. (laughs) So is Thomas Jefferson still alive? No, no, he summoned the demon, and, but never finished the ritual, so. Okay. So it's just been about. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. That is definitely a thing I would suspect Thomas Jefferson of. It's just kind of chilling underneath Gotham or something? Like, yes. Also, two, two, not one, but two fountains of eternal youth live under Gotham, so. Yes, obviously. That's why Ra's al Ghul is always hanging out there randomly, is because there's infinity pools. Well, it's more, he's got those. That's more because Batman's there, and he's like, ah, you should be my successor and heir. You totally want to murder everyone, right? Ah, you just say you don't because you're young. (laughs) Ah, oh, the youth. Always <laughs> hot-headed. Anything else, Tyler? Not actually a whole lot. I have been playing a magical high school girl, but... Oh, we'll yeah, I have also been playing episode, that. Yeah, I yes, we will. I think we will. It's what? exactly what it says on the tin. Yep. 
What else have I been doing? I mean, I spent like six hours this weekend playing Let's Migrate the website. That was actually surprisingly fun. It wasn't a game, but it was the most programming I've done for, like, a week. Also, hey guys, here's a plug. We have a new website and also a new podcast. You should go listen oh, yeah. to it. Hopefully that all went well. I know it did, because we're recording later than we were going to, <laughs> and it has all went well. <laughs> you should check out It's a Gundam. We're giving away some cool prizes. Hopefully it, by the time this goes up, iTunes sorts its stuff. Yeah, eventually. Actually. I've been also playing Fight iTunes, the never-ending dungeon crawler, um, <laughs> which has involved basically, like... It's like one of those early text adventures where you're lacking a key item, so it keeps you kicking you back to the first room until you, like, say, look floor tile or something. It just keeps you gotta you find like, that one piece of pixel. You cannot get ye flask. <laughs> exactly. You I kickstarted the Trogdor board game. I did not know this was happening. Oh, wait, wait, no, never mind. Ryan North mentioned it on the Time Traveler's Guide to Reinventing Civilization, which, by the way, is an excellent-looking book for, like, $21. I and mean... It's already written. I read his first book and really liked it and haven't read any of his other ones. Romeo and or Juliet? Yes. Um, it's a choose your own adventure. Well, it's a, it's a choosable <laughs> path adventure because apparently choose your own adventure is copyrighted. Yes. So. That, that <laughs> and, sounds really random yet very Actually, no. I haven't actually read uh, Romeo and or Juliet. It was To Be or Not To Be, the Hamlet one. Oh, Because okay. it has the choose your own adventure within the choose your own adventure yeah. instead of the play within the play. Isn't there also <laughs> the one where... You, Part of it is playing the dead king and floating. Yeah, around. and he yeah, Batman yeah, solves his own murder. It, it starts with character select, and you can choose Hamlet, Ophelia, or the king. Also, the part where there's a pirate battle, it's like, oh, now, nah, now you're going to do a cool pirate battle because why would you cut that out of the play? <laughs> because you don't have the special effects for a pirate battle in the 1400s. <laughs> Nonsense. The Coliseum, they'd flood. <laughs> Clearly, they had the special effects budget. So, because I'm really excited about it, have I talked about this book yet? No. That right. So, Ryan North, cool internet dude, also author of Dinosaur Comics, wrote a book a while ago and is finally getting around to publishing it that is like a 400-page primer on what to do if you get stuck in the past when your time machine breaks down. Brokes down? Breaks down. It done brokes breaked. Uh, <laughs> I'm still of the opinion that you have about uh, however long your iPhone's battery is to use the light app to convince everyone you're a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> what happens before human civilization, though? Okay, then you're in real trouble. Yeah. Th then I will just try to remember what happened when Batman got sent back to Caveman <laughs> Times, and he ended up getting transported forward to Puritan Times, and I'm not going to count on that. That is true. Also, wasn't he a pirate for a while? Oh, that was after the Puritan stuff. He, then he fought Blackbeard. Then he was a private eye. Isn't he already a private eye, basically? Then he fought the hyper-adapter. It, it was a bomb that was put on him that would gain energy as he went forward through time, because Darkseid knew that sending Batman back in time was not a sufficient way to take out Batman, so he trapped Batman. And even Grant that Morrison comics are rad as hell. <laughs> Moral of the story, it starts with, like, simple things like, here's how to get water so you don't die from parasites and stuff, all the way up to plagiarizing cool music and stuff <laughs> so that you can claim that you wrote it. Um, one of the appendices is great chemicals that will definitely kill you if you eat them but are useful otherwise. Oh, no, it looks very amusing, and I think about constantly what would happen if I got transported back into the 1500s in the middle of a French forest. Uh, you would so. be unable to communicate and would be burned as a witch for your uh, weird hair. Possibly, although, uh, yeah, um, I forgot about that. Um, although a lot of people developed pigeons that they could use to talk to each other on the fly, so it wouldn't be that bad, and like my knowledge of Latin-based languages is okay, so mostly probably I'd die of disease in the forest before ever finding civilization. Also, so. there wasn't really a lot of witch burning until later. <laughs> and That really, was mostly us. And it really <laughs> wasn't in France. Yes. Like I said, that was mostly us. Although in the 14, 1500s, you'd probably get the Black Death and die. Although you could just bathe regularly. 
Turns out that's actually an effective prevention mechanism for even contracting it. Yeah. This is not a video game at all, but I played a cool game called Root, which is like vaguely reminiscent of Risk. Except if you have different factions that behave differently, also they're adorable forest critters killing the hell out of each other. The real highlight of this, though, is like they're kind of like traditional spread across the board mechanics. One of the factions is just a single raccoon that goes around stealing and murdering and then also forming alliances with people. Yeah, he wins pl- by mooching off of people. Playing a single player hero unit in Risk does sound like a fun asynchronous <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, like you have basically the evil empire um, and they have to keep doing the same thing over and over until they can't. And when they can't, they lose a bunch of victory points and collapse and they have to start their engine over. One of them is just like kind of a regular risk mechanic. One of them is the Rebel Alliance, and they could just pop up randomly anywhere and overthrow everything in an area. I think what I've just realized is that I just want to play Lupin the Third in every board game and just steal people's treasure, yeah. steal p- other people's victory conditions, and walk away. That yeah. sounds great. That's exactly what the raccoon does. I end up allied with everybody. Yes. And then you betray them. We should play diplomacy sometime. We shouldn't. There are only three of us. <laughs> I'm sure we could find four other people to play diplomacy with us. I don't have four other people I want to lose as friends. Do you have four acquaintances you would like to never talk to again? I mean, I have many acquaintances. Anything else, Tyler? No, no, that was pretty much it. Chris, you're new and Jeremy always goes last because that's tradition. (laughs) So, where to start? I've actually been playing a lot of new games lately because one of my friends is very undecisive on games that he likes to play. So, the one I've actually been playing most and actually pretty constantly is Rainbow Six Siege. I've really enjoyed it, though I am terrible at it. So what hero do you prefer to play on OND? For defense, it's usually Montagne or Montag or whatever. I've heard Montague, but I'm not sure. (laughs) As in the Montagues and the Capulets? No, it's not spelled that way. I think just the streamer I watch saw that and was like, yeah, like the Capulets. Basically, his ability is he carries around a shield that could send to be full body. So I basically become a moving wall for my teammates god i um, hated those things great so does everybody in that game i was I'm, thinking of call of duty modern warfare 2 equally as annoying i would disagree i think montagne is much more annoying than those he's like brahm in a first person shooter <laughs> another great thing about him is if you're in a secure the area point and it's a room with one door you could literally stand in front of the door and the other team can't get in so they basically lose although isn't he an offense character he is. So you have to actually get to a position. Your opponents have to screw up that enough that you can do that. Well, surprisingly, a lot of people like to roam in that That's game. They true. don't like to stay in the point. So you kill the one or two people in the point, take care of the door, you, it, it's a win. Unless someone throws a C4 over your head, then you're kind of screwed. But if I'm not him, I'm usually, I don't know, I'm, I'm really random with a bunch of people. Cap can would is a defense, not offense. Jackal. His ability, he'll walk through and he has a able to see footsteps and then once you scan the footsteps it shows you where they're at and it blinks like once every second and a half or something like that so it'll be like this guy's here and if they move you'll still see it in where they were until it blinks again so those are my two preferred offense characters now for defense like i mentioned before Capcan, he has traps that he puts on the doors and once they walk through the laser beam they blow up for only half their health that it's been debuffed in the last couple patches. So it's basically just like C4 plants in most games for claymores. It's more like a trip mine, basically. It's just a laser going across, and as soon as they cross the laser, they blow up. And then the other character for defense, I'm very random with defense. I don't really have one. The one guy who puts windows in things. I don't know who Castle? that is. Castle? Yeah. 
what? I actually he, never like, played could... Castle. He, he, so there's windows, wood windows, that you can hit three times and it breaks open. Castle has um, a metal window, basically, that he puts up, and it takes like 12 hits. So it stalls him a lot. Or, you know, one impact grenade or grenade. Or just have an ash and, you know, she blows up basically anything. <laughs> but you can add a window to see out. And you can destroy it in one hit. Oh, no. That one is um, Mira. Ah, yeah. I, was, I think it is Mira. That yeah, Mira. Mira. She has a deployable window that you can put up on any wall. But it's a one-way window. So they can't see you looking at them. They just assume someone's behind it. And then you could break open the window and shoot them. Do they see a window? Just... They see a window. Okay. It's just black. They can't see behind it. Or they send their Twitch drone in and open it from the outside and then shoot you. Yes, that that is also a bad part about being Mira. Everything I hear about this game makes me think I should have picked it up when it came out. It's but... pretty fun to watch. I don't watch any esports of it, but I do watch a few streamers who will play it every once in a while and are decent at it. And it is the only first-person shooter I've ever enjoyed watching, including Overwatch. Yeah, I think the main reason I like it is because it's not a bunch of chaos. You know, it's not... It's a lot more planned. It's like Counter-Strike, only it forces you to actually play. That's exactly what it's like is Counter-Strike, except for there's other strategies that you have to involve because all the operators have different abilities and you have to try to counteract them and all that stuff. So that's mainly why I play it. It's not a huge chaos 24 versus 24 continuous battle for half an hour until you lose all your points or whatever. It's different rounds, one death per round, basically. Other than that, I guess the most recent game that I started playing was Dauntless, if you guys have heard of that. Dauntless, I think so. It's a newer-ish game. They just started really patching it. It's basically, I I don't want to say a worse version, but it's a side version of Monster Hunter, basically. You're a slayer, you get big weapons, you go and slay behemoths, quote-unquote. Yeah, this Um, sounds like a Monster Hunter ripoff. Yep, you get the behemoths of scales or whatever, you build more weapons, you kill bigger behemoths, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) That does sound awfully similar to another gameplay loop. Might as well just call it Behemoth Hunter. (laughs) That's basically what it should have been. I was going to say Monster Slayer. (laughs) That's also another one. I was thinking a Monster Munter, but... (laughs) No, that sounds like a League of Legends player. Did you watch that Team Soda mid commercial that I no, told you to watch? No, no, I okay. forgot to. We should watch that between episodes. It's stupid. I, I do want to watch it. Anyway, how's Dauntless? I've actually enjoyed it. I prefer Monster Hunter. I keep the... meaning to get into Monster Hunter. I just do not have time. I used to play Monster Hunter 2, and I loved it. Every part about it. And then Monster Hunter World came out. I was like, I'm going to get it. And then I couldn't get it because it was only for Xbox and consoles. And it didn't come out on... PC. I looked. I was like, oh, it will come out soon. And so now I guess it's coming out the 8th of August or something like that. That's soon. That would be tomorrow. But the major downside to Monster Hunter World compared to Dauntless is $60. Yep. And how much was Dauntless? $350. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to pay that Capcom tax. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But on the other hand, you don't get Ryu in yours. It's very (laughs) true. Monster Hunter is a lot more pretty and a lot more... Like polished? Polished, complete. Like in Dauntless, you jump down into the island that the behemoth's at, you look for the behemoth, and you kill the behemoth. Monster Hunter World, there's other things for you to kill on your way there and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot more to do in Monster Hunter World, but Dauntless is definitely a good alternative if you don't want to spend the $60. Especially for the price. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I've um, tried to get into Monster Hunter a couple times. Like, I picked up Try, and I think I picked up three or four Ultimate. I can't even remember which one. 
And like my problem is it feels a lot like playing an MMO. There's a lot of grinding, there's a lot of resource collection, except I'm not playing an MMO, I'm just doing that by myself. I think so. <laughs> you got the Game Boy Advance one floating around here somewhere. Yeah, that, that is a very good point. On That is a downside, is that you're doing it all alone and it's just a major grind. So if you don't want to play a game where all you do is grind, because literally all you do is kill monsters to get better so you can kill more monsters, like, it wouldn't be the game for you. I feel like if I had a regular play group, like I played whichever one introduced the bagpipe hammer with my brother-in-law for a while, and like that was fun. I don't mind being a support bard with a bagpipe hammer. That's fun. That was either try or four, I don't remember. Try. Where the hell was it going with that? I had a specific thing. Oh, well, it's gone now. Yeah, I, I have a couple friends that I play with, so it keeps it somewhat interesting. But other than that, the other new game I've been playing is Hunt Showdown, which is actually a lot of fun. It was like $30, and it's almost like a Battle Royale game, except for you're paired up with another person. And the whole point is to try to get the bounty. Like, there's a certain NPC there that you have to kill and get the bounty and escape with. But there's also four other teams of two trying to do the exact same thing. So and presumably like, you can kill each other to stop them from getting the bounty. Or you can just kill them and walk away. Or you can just kill a couple of the zombies and walk away or whatever. So it's literally a PvE-PvP battle royale mesh. Where that sounds really fun. And it's based off in Louisiana swamps. So, like... It's a bunch of older weapons in a Louisiana swamp, and it gets hectic. It's, yeah, I have seen some gameplay of this. It seemed pretty... I've been enjoying it, and they actually just added a patch where there's a bunch of new weapons and stuff. I haven't played it yet. It came out two days ago. Actually, I think it came out yesterday, and my friend wanted me to play, but I was laying in bed watching shows instead for the first time ever. But yeah, that's another one I've been playing. Does it have any sort of ranking system, or are you just like paired randomly with someone? Basically, are you asking if it has an ELO system? Yeah. As of right now, no, it does not. Okay. And that is somewhat upsetting to me at times. So there's two different... You have a bloodline, which is your main level of everything, and then your hunter level. When your hunter dies, your hunter goes away. You have to recruit a new hunter. Okay. That's kind of cool, actually. Right? And so your hunter gains ranks. So me being bloodline level 16 with a hunter level 1, going in there getting killed by someone that has a hunter rank 89... How have they lived that long? <laughs> that sounds like somebody didn't really think that all the way through, that system all the way through. So it, well, they did, but at the time that it was coming out, it wasn't very popular. And so if you're going to split up people, you're going to be playing the exact same people. So now that it's more popular, they're implementing that system. They just have not done that yet. And so the terminology makes me think of Rogue Legacy. Your son takes up your fight for you. Unfortunately, they also have myopia, so they can't see very far in the swamp. Which one was it that you always see upside down? I can't remember. I know that which one, was one you're a ta- royal pain. Yeah, I hate. Like I basically just kill myself immediately whenever I got that one. <laughs> Anything else, Chris? There's a lot of them, but I'll just say one more instead of going on for an hour and a half saying what I've been playing. This one is mainly just a time waster when I'm about to go to bed. It's um Guild of Dungeoneering. I explained this to you guys the other night, but this game at first I thought was horrible because I played with no sound, and basically it's a card dungeon crawling game where you go and you have you get five cards each round it could either be a room a monster or a treasure card you place room cards to continue through the dungeon monster cards to level up and then treasure cards so that you can build your guild bigger basically 
and I played it for like half an hour without sound, and I thought it was the most ridiculous game ever. And then I decided to give it one more shot, and I turned on sound, and it became epic because at the end of every mission, there's a bard that comes on and starts singing random stuff about what happened to your dungeoneer. And so that just made me start laughing my ass off, and... Is it like procedurally generated songs? Like, do they actually reflect things that no, happen? No, okay. it, it's already been generated. It's just if you win, it sings a happiest, happier song. If it died, then he basically makes fun of you for dying. And then you have to get a new dungeoneer, and then you can look at your graveyard, which kind of gets depressing after a while <laughs> because it gets full of graves. Never actually filled it up yet, but I'm curious as to what happens when you do. But you also get to name your different Dungeoneers. So you could have like whatever you want named on the tombstone. And so I started going with Marvel themes for now until <laughs> I run out of Marvel characters. And then I'm going to start doing like Harry Potter themes and whatnot. Are you like going to go on to Wikipedia or something and pull up like obscure Marvel characters? Yes, okay. I've already started doing that. <laughs> this reminds me of a card building roguelike or deck building roguelike that I haven't played in forever. And I should. And that would be uh, Towerfall? Slay no, the Spire. No, Slay the Spire. Which is Different like game. Towerfall, but not at all. No, They both no. involve towers, I guess. I was thinking of Slay the Spire. Towerfall is a completely different game. It, it is not roguelike at all, or card-based at all. Nope. No, it's like a platformer arrow shooter thing. It's a game where you arrow people. Yeah. I was going to say, they probably have released the wizard robot for real now, so I can probably get off the beta. But yeah, that's, so it. that's all for me. How about you, Jeremy? What have you been doing? Well, I finally finished Digimon Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory, so I can stop talking about a game that i don't have anything to say about <laughs> you actually finished the second game too yes it's a lot less thirsty than the first game so i know you mentioned the far hungrier the, i know you mentioned on the previous casts how long did it take you to finish this one i totaled out at 126 hours between the two games although also at the very i wanted to get every digimon and so there was about three hours of that where i just let my system on to uh let one guy train up while i took a nap how does that work? Oh, well, you're in the farm, they gain XP slowly. Okay, gotcha. And he was almost to a high enough level to be the final Digimon I needed. He needed to gain two levels. But I had run out of the rare candy equivalent. And I was like, I could do a fight or I could take a nap. And when I wake up, Good I will be done. I mean, this is how you gain power in real life. You yes, take a nap. Exactly. And then you have an Arcadiumon Ultra that you can't use on anything because you're done with the game. Other than that, I watched Evo. Oh, was, yeah, I was going to ask you if you saw the dumpster fire that was the Smash 4 finals. Uh, yeah, I fell asleep when the uh, last non-Bayonetta player went out. <laughs> I, I mean, the the players who weren't playing Bayonetta were trying to calm down the crowd. And I mean, play Bayonetta if she's OP. Yeah, well, the, the problem is the last match was Bayonetta versus Bayonetta. The, and the, the, the top three were all Bayonetta. Yeah, and they were all playing and, and super And I think six cautiously. of the top eight were all Bayonetta. Yeah. It was something like that. I, as, as, yeah. As a Smash 4 enthusiast and someone who plays quasi-competitively, it was a really boring match to watch. I don't know much about the Smash 4 community, but my understanding is most of the good players were not actually there. I'm not actually sure. I feel like... Yeah, damn, I can't remember any of their names. Oh, no. I feel like a lot of the, uh... Like, not the people who everyone calls the gods, but, like, yeah. the people right below those yeah, guys It was a there. bunch of the, like, uh, almost star players showed up. <laughs> the demigods. Which is why they all played Bayonetta, because none of them know how to play real characters. I'm just kidding, play Bayonetta if she's OP, it's fine, she's fun to watch. You know what's weird is Luigi is actually weird, uh, an oddly good counter to Bayonetta. I don't know, that's the only thing that keeps him in S tier anymore, is the fact that Bayonetta, or he is a counter to Bayonetta and Sheik. That sounds pretty good. 
I need to watch the Melee finals because I was at work for those and I got spoiled who won, but I'm a big fan of Leffen. Yeah, and since I he, saw since the he went, outcome. He went out in top 32 at Dragon Ball, so I'm glad he won Melee. Oh yeah, how was Dragon Ball? I didn't watch Dragon Ball was really one-sided. Only the grand finals were really exciting, which is weird because they were a repeat. But like suddenly both players kind of brought it. What were the teams? Uh, top teams? I don't actually remember. Sonic Fox won and good for that weirdo. I feel like I've heard stories about this guy. Doesn't he use Piccolo or something? Uh, no, that's a Hook, fang- hook Gang God. Hook Gang God uses Piccolo. And Shaquille O'Neal gave him Piccolo shoes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, the Dragon Ball Fighters community is weird. That's what this is. Uh, <laughs> Where did Shaq come from? Uh, he's a big Dragon Ball fan. Shaq is like sort of trying to get into esports, kind of. He's a, so he's a big good. Counter-Strike fan. This is it's so actually baffling. not that unusual. Yeah. Echo Fox is owned by but, some big name out of out of the NBA. Yeah, that I'm one so of one of the Chicago Bulls who was with Jordan, and now I can't think of it. I think his last name is Fox, which is where they yeah. get Echo Dante Fox, Fox from. Don, no, Dante Fox is a wrestler. <laughs> I just I don't I don't remember. He what was his name? Bardock, Vegeta, and someone else. Cell wasn't Cell. He didn't he didn't play Cell, so that was nice. Was everyone just running Vegeta? Uh, no. Everyone was running Cell. Cell Kid Boo was the most, like, Cell Kid Boo Vegeta was, like, the most common team, but no one was running exactly that in Top 8. Lots of Cell. I think Zero Kid Boo in Top 8. I don't ah. remember for sure. Lots of Vegeta there, there, though. I should probably practice Kid Boo sometime. I feel like I really enjoyed him the couple times I played him, but I don't know how to actually use him at all. I like playing Vegito. I'm terrible at that game, and I'm terrible on him, but... But he's so much fun. Vegito is the most fun character to play. He sucks, but he is the most fun (laughs) character to play. I was playing some last night against this Vegito guy, and there was just enough lag that he kept getting me with his crouching medium, and I was like, God damn it, every time he does this, he takes three quarters of my life bar. It's the only way he can hit me. It should be the easiest thing in the world to block, but when he hits me... Unfortunately, kind of disappointing, like I said. The, the finals were really good because they got really exciting, but almost every other match seemed kind of one-sided. Like Sonic Fox, who won, and Goichi, who was in second, are clearly the best two in the world at that game. That's a little unfortunate, but... I mean, people say Hook Gang God's really good. I haven't really seen... He's the Piccolo player. I haven't really did seen he him. Yeah, he was there. Year? He was okay. top eight. He didn't seem like he was having a great night. And I really like Leffen. He plays Majin 21, but he went out in top 32 because he was focusing on Melee. Like, he had to run from his melee pool to get there, was clearly out of breath, and then got... Was Eleven... So, one of the melee players had, like, a panic attack on stage, and I can't remember. I don't know who that was, because like I said, I haven't seen the melee finals yet. They announced Cooler for Dragon Ball Fighters After base form, Goku and Vegeta? Yes. Which means it's probably C-17. Almost certainly. As the last character. Uh, they had a really cool trailer with Goku and Vegeta that was clearly super planned and choreographed, and they were, like, also Cooler. They also announced Negan from The Walking Dead is going to be in Tekken 7. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's a weird decision, <laughs> and but like, okay. Watching the crowd reaction to that of just a befuddlement was very good, with occasionally very excited people. So not nearly the same degree that announcing Geralt from The Witcher is going to show up in one of the Soul Calibur games. I mean, that's obviously that's going to happen. Yeah, that's confirmed already. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it actually also, was already shown. They're still making Soul Calibur? Soul Calibur 6 was at Evo. It's coming out December, I want to say. Huh. It wasn't a feature tournament. It was just come here and play Soul Calibur 6. Yeah, they It'll had be cool. that, that game was on a. Uh, I kind of understand where it was coming from because that game's kind of been on ice for the last few years. Soul Calibur 5 was bad and 4 no one bought. Was 4 the one with random Yoda? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Yoda I, and Darth Vader. I heard no things about 5. 3, three was, was awesome. Good. 
Yeah. Three had that game-breaking bug in the first printing, which really killed it for me. Which turned out mine had that. You just had to save in the third slot, and that's what would wipe all your data. Oh, oh, that sounds horrible. And that's what I never encountered that. It, it was on the uh, the conquest mode or whatever it was. If you saved in the third, when I saved in the third slot, it wiped all my data. I had all my data wiped, but that's because Ed pulled my memory card in the middle of saving. He didn't even do it maliciously. He was just super tired. And for some reason, he's like, I'm going to just pull the memory card. Yeah. But mostly I played the assignment because I'm a big, big fan of Warcraft 3. And I haven't beaten the campaign in probably 10 years. And I wanted to try to do it because I remember really liking the last level. I got stuck at the end of the Orc campaign because I forgot that level is kind of bullshit. But Which one is that? It's the one where you have to fight Grob and he's raiding Infernals on your base randomly. Oh, yeah. That's and you're like, annoying. I'm going to go fight Grob. Oh, wait, there are Infernals at my base. That's kind of annoying. Yeah. Because in that one, you've got your, it's Thrall and Cairn, right? Uh, you're, you have Jaina on your team, but she doesn't do anything. No, I mean like you're controlling. Yeah, you have Thrall for sure. I don't remember if you have Cairn. You probably do because you have him in the level before that. And Jane is over there, and sometimes Infernals rain on her base, and she's like, oh no, Infernals. <laughs> That's all. I played Zero the Campaign in this game. How is it? Uh, the campaign is alright. It's got kind of the same problem that uh, StarCraft had when I when I was younger. I was like, oh, this is a really good campaign, but going back through it again, it's like, wow, this goes from Zero to 60 in about no time flat. You get the guy that, you know, the paladin who's supposed to be really upstanding, you know, really, really concerned for his citizens and then he gets arrogant willing to do everything or anything to protect the whole but then just like randomly decides that he's going to be a bastard how long is this damn i was expecting another verse and then grom (laughs) hellstream in the orc campaign is that again we're like grom okay i'm leaving you in charge just two things don't drink any demon water and don't kill any people and then you're like grom you drank all the demon water and killed everyone those were the only two things I told you not to do. Uh, yeah. Although I do kind of, that one I do kind of understand because it's a longer running thing from the actual storyline. Yeah, yeah, there's Grom the like the evil. There's Grom the like demon the ori- addiction stuff. Yeah, Grom is from the original games, so it, it works better. It's just as like you when I was younger, I remember like Grom really struggling against it and ultimately giving in. But no, he's just like ah, time to kill some. Right after Thrall's like, hey, Grom, don't kill those humans. He's like, attack! And then he's like, oh no, there are some night elves. Our only option is to drink some demon water. And if I remember right, in uh, the night elf campaign, you get Illidan, and then he pretty much immediately does the same thing. You break him out of jail. You're like, okay, you'll help us. You, you, like, you'll be on our side. You can help us out. Just don't be a... Just don't turn yourself into a demon. He goes, hey, first opportunity, I'm going to turn myself into a demon. This is a genius idea. What are the advantages of turning yourself into a demon that everyone keeps doing it? Uh, you, you can do chaos damage. Yeah. <laughs> you, you also do chaos damage, which always does full damage, ignoring armor, which know. is actually very handy. And orc shamans become orc warlocks, which are kind of broken because they don't have to be balanced for PvP. They lose bloodlust, though, so that sucks. I really want orc warlock to have a better portmanteau, but everything I've tried in my head Warlocks, but that's just a vampire. Yeah, orc lock. But Warlork. So the campaign, at least the original one, is kind of basic. I mean, it ends with the like the last level you get to control the orcs, humans, and night elves all at the same time, which sounds better than it is because it's actually kind of a cluster because you, you just have too much stuff going on. Oh, yeah. No, I hated the multi-faction camp- or campaign levels in StarCraft because you have to manage multiple income streams. Yeah, nah. 
No. I'm, man, I'm all about that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a really cool idea. It's just not one that really ends up working out particularly well because there's just too much going on. Yeah, I was really struck by how, like, stock Blizzard campaign it is. There's the level you have to survive 30 minutes. There's the level where you have to kill a bunch of zombies before they attack you even when they're still innocent. There's the level where you control all three factions. I don't remember that level in any of the other games. It's in StarCraft 2. I don't think it's in StarCraft. I don't think it. I don't think it's in. StarCraft yeah, there, one of the optional levels. Like, there's a whole bunch of infected Zerg people, and you have the option to go kill them or not before. And at night, they will. <laughs> I think you're. I think you. those are two different levels because the level where they all attack you, you, they're not actually innocent. They're just all already infected. There's a different level where you have to make the decision of to kill everybody, and that pisses off the Protoss, or to try and save people that doesn't piss off the Protoss. Oh. But they're actually not the same level. What I find really interesting about Warcraft 3 is the novel that is its instruction booklet that's them explaining all their new lore, which is kind of passe, but it was really, hey, Tolkien just got super popular with Lord of the Rings. Let's <laughs> go far left of that and do something really different. Let's make our elves these weird magic addicts. And then they're the descendants of these other elves that are all nature hippies that don't do this nasty black magic stuff. Let's bring Orc Jesus from that game we never published and let him leave the orcs to America to hang out with some Native Americans. Yeah, that's a pretty good explanation of it. That's yeah, exactly what happened. The Orc campaign is, hey, what if Jesus just went to America instead of letting Rome persecute him? So like the Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> so that because initially you take control of Thrall and he also, leaves the orcs out of captivity. He stops by Jamaica and picks up some Jamaicans on the way. Okay, yeah. Although to be fair, they were already part of the Horde. Yeah, I, I swear I have this memory of a tutorial level where you stop on the island and pick up the trolls on the way to Kalimdor. It does not exist. It is not real. But I have this super vivid memory of it. I just know that it's not real because Zul'jin is a hero in Warcraft 2. Yeah. That's why all of your headhunters say vengeance for Zul'jin. Yeah, but also there was forest trolls in that one. And you have jungle trolls in Warcraft 3. Because the forest trolls are all evil mercenaries. They're kind of the same tribe, apparently. Although the... The trolls did throw axes and yeah, and they're green. Warcraft too, yeah. And this one, they're blue and throw spears and are Jamaican. Part of the change that they, since they wanted the orcs to be more like shamanistic and and stuff, because in Warcraft two they were the we're talking about this off the mics. They were all the evil characters. Yeah, so they worshipped demons. They had necromancers. Yeah, they 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 actually had raised dead. Death and decay was one of their spells. The only spell I think they kept was bloodlust. Which is incredibly powerful. Yeah, because it busts your melee dudes, and orcs are all about melee dudes. But so they changed. But they gave a lot of the stuff they took away from the orcs to the undead, because they're the evil people now. Because they're the evil people now. Until World of Warcraft, where uh, <laughs> Sylvanas is like, "Nah, some undead are cool." So we got to be entirely honest. We did play the Frozen Throne along with Warcraft Three, so we didn't just play the one game. Yeah, let's uh, talk a bit about the Throws and Throne campaign, because that's where they, like, get that weird. bonkers. <laughs> like, the Night Elf campaign is, uh, like, it's almost like they wanted to make a <sighs> Naga race, and they stopped halfway through. The Draenei like, is the same way. Yeah. In the uh, in the human campaign of Frozen Throne. Yeah. Like, you play these weird offshoots of races, you play mostly elves in the human campaign, and they get all these weird units. It's really seems like a precursor to the stuff they did in StarCraft Two, where there are all these campaign-only units. And then the Orc campaign is this weird preview of World of Warcraft where you just control one hero going around a map doing quests for Thrall. Yeah, that huh. it's it's an interesting idea. And I still think it was more a matter of they wanted to include the Orcs as a campaign, but they didn't have a full campaign they wanted to really do. 
So, because it's not actually listed under the campaigns tab, it's listed under custom campaigns. And so, so we've talked a lot about the campaign and the story of this game. But we have talked zero about the mechanics or what yeah. the hell this game actually is. So it's an so- RTS. <laughs> Like uh, StarCraft and Warcraft before it, you send your worker dudes to go get gold and chop down trees, and okay, then you turn those into units. That, that's all we needed to say. The big thing that set this apart when it launched was the inclusion of RPG elements, specifically and hero characters, which every RTFs after this copied in Star- Star- yeah, until StarCraft 2 and did a real bad job of. Well, to be a fair, lot of these them, were actually pretty fun. A lot of them didn't include heroes in the same fashion. They're a little bit different because, well, I've, I, at least I, I can think War. of Dawn of War, but Dawn of War is like the only originalish RTS you get between this and StarCraft Two, well, in Dawn my of, opinion. Dawn I guess War Halo Wars, but Halo Wars is this weird. Well, Dawn of War doesn't really like have heroes in the same fashion. It has yeah. heroes closer to the StarCraft, uh, Starcraft model. What I'm thinking of all those Lord of the Ring ones that just threw in heroes. There's this uh, like War Rants of the Three Kingdoms based RTS I played for a little bit. That had heroes. That is weird. But <laughs> at least in the in the base game, every race has three heroes. Usually it's an agility-based hero, a strength-based hero, and an, and an intelligence-based hero. Uh, heroes are different than other units because they level up like an RPG character. And each time they level up, they gain an ability. At level six, they gain an ultimate ability, which is way more powerful than anything they've had access to before. And you can only have one of each kind. And if they die, you have to resurrect them. You don't rebuild your hero. They also have an inventory, so you can take items with you, kind of like an RPG. Some just buff your stats. Others are actually usable in combat and can do things like teleport you or heal nearby units. So it it added another dimension to the game, because now you had to actually pay attention to these guys as well. And you had to level them up, because everyone's... most of their abilities are going to be incredibly impactful, even more so than most of your general casters. If there's a problem with them, I think they are very well in- integrated into the game, but the game kind of ends up becoming about them. It is important that you support them with an army, but most of your micro is going to come down to what do you do with your hero? How do you use their cooldowns? When do you use their ult to change the battle? Who gets to level six first? These all become a little bit more important than the typical RTS stuff, especially because of the upkeep mechanic. I was going to say, or, you know, like in the case of our game, how many heroes you have, like all of us had one except for Jeremy and Zach, who had three. So to be fair, we only built our I only built my third hero because I could. And Zach only built his third hero because he heard I was doing it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that I mean, that'll still come down to it. If I have my hero, oh, my first hero at level seven and you have your first hero at level seven, but you also have a second hero, you're going to trump my army no matter what. Although well, it actually depends because a level one hero is actually worse than a buffed up grunt. Uh, not not grunt, but like out of the second tier. A lot of the second tier units can actually beat a hero at level one. And yeah. also, there's an XP penalty if you have multiple heroes. They don't split it evenly. So you actually lose XP. So if I have two heroes, yours will hit level six first. And a level six hero is better than three level five heroes most of the time because of how powerful ults are. But in a lot of cases, you're right. If you build that second hero after you have the first one in a good position, you're yeah, going to be more most powerful. Most players that do build more heroes obviously know not to build another hero until after yeah. level six. And it only takes like two mobs for well, a hero to level up from level one. So you're going to be getting that second hero up pretty quickly, especially de- in the battles that you're doing. It actually depends because level five, you actually can't start, keep clearing camps because you, you can't gain experience without attacking your opponent. Because in Reign of Chaos initially, which is what the subtext for Warcraft 3 was, you could level to up to level 6 just off of camps. So let's talk about they, camps, because we haven't mentioned them yet. Camps are like these 
they're neutral mobs. They're they're your grind mobs, but they don't respawn. So. That only exists because heroes exist. And yeah. also to give you something to fight over in the map. They were actually introduced to counter turtling as a strategy huh. because they are map resources that you want to go fight over. Because once they're killed, they don't respawn. So they're experience, and they also drop items for your hero that you will compete over, and they force early skirmishes. Like a very common strategy in competitive play is to go kill your opponent's creeps, and that can lead to early skirmishes. They are also oftentimes guarding important resources on the map. There are mercenary shops that let you buy things like the dropship equivalents that let you drop units, or goblin shredders that let you very quickly cut down trees. Yeah, because they, they, they took away dropships from people's actual like basic line deployment because your amount of units that you can have is actually a bit smaller in relation to everything else. And uh, most of the maps, you don't actually need them, so they just put them in a neutral camp. There are also things like fountains of health and fountains of mana that are guarded by creeps that will do pretty much what they say on the tin restore your health or mana. So these become objectives to fight over. And also usually gold mines are guarded by them. So they're really there to incentivize you to come out and skirmish early, which gives this game a very quick feel. Another thing that does that, we've alluded to it a little bit, is the food limits. Like a lot of Blizzard RTSs, you have to build more farms or their equivalent, like pylons, you know, farms and pylons. Yeah. To get units. Which is not know my, about my additional farms. But in War or in StarCraft, the unit cap is 200. In Warcraft 3, it's 90. And it's actually 100. It, in Frozen Throne, it goes up to 100. Okay. And um, one of the and, other big things is that, like, for your baseline unit in StarCraft, you've got a higher unit, but your Marine costs one. In Warcraft 3, your footman, the human equivalent, costs two food. For Orcs, it's three. And yeah. in addition to that, there's an upkeep mechanic. Once you hit... 40 in the original, 50 in Frozen Throne food, you start having an upkeep, which reduces your gold income by 30%. So you're incentivized to keep a small army. That also incentivizes you to attack because that way your units will die and you'll get use out of them and you'll stay below that cap. If you go above 80, that increases to a 60% tax on oh, your geez. gold. This increases the influence heroes have because they get more powerful as the game goes on. They become worth more and more for their food cost. And the units around them are just kind of are these replaceable fodder as the game goes on. Which, I mean, and it actually creates the, an interesting methodology about how you go about combat. Do you target the enemy's hero and bring him down first? In certain cases, you take this out is a support. good idea. Well, in certain cases, this is a good idea. If you're playing somebody who's got a Tarn Chieftain, don't target that dude first. Why not? Will, his know. ultimate is not a he resurrects himself. Oh, nice. So he dies, then gets back up. Or like the Paladin, one of his abilities is 15 seconds of invulnerability. The reason I beat Chris in the multiplayer game we were playing is because I leveled up enough on you, Tyler, that I hit level four while fighting Chris, went invulnerable right before my Paladin died and swung the fight. <laughs> so thanks for all that XP, Tyler. You're welcome. That sounds about normal for Tyler in strategy games. I'm not very good at RTSs. I've noticed. Yeah, you give me a TBS. Well, I got that. Look, but... I gave you an offer and you didn't reply to it. What, what was that? I sent you a message that said ally or die. Oh, reply. I didn't even miss. I didn't even notice it. And unfortunately for you, you can't even build nukes in this one. Yeah, I know. The problem is I'm bad at micromanaging things. I'll like forget about my production cycle. or This like... is why I play orcs. Care to elaborate? I don't know how Orcs are, are about as bog standard as you get. Yeah, you I just build grunts. Sometimes you build, you build grunts, casters. you build headhunters, then you back them up with shaman and witch doctors. Yeah, that's already too many units. Because <laughs> shaman has... One of the main things, and shamans reminded me of this, that they added into this game as well, is the idea of auto-casting. 
Yeah, that's so a, a lot big... of units have like at least one ability, or at least some of them. I, I don't know how many of them. The orcs, it's only the shaman, have the ability to auto cast one of their spells. So you can turn that on, and as soon as you get into combat or certain condition that the AI knows that I couldn't tell you exactly what it is activates, they will automatically use that skill. So like for the orcs, when you get into combat, shaman will automatically start casting bloodlust, which is really powerful, but like your witch doctors won't automatically start placing healing wards. Cause if they did that, that'd be really silly because well, one healing ward can keep an entire army alive. Well, that and the autocast only works on targeted spells. None of the AOE spells can be autocast. But it's not every spell. Like I said, Shaman, it's just the Bloodlust. They can't autocast their Lightning Shield yeah. or Purge. And I think the humans, it's mainly the Priest. But don't they have two? Yeah, they can autocast Heal or uh, Inner Fire. And the Sorceress can autocast Slow. Okay, I, I just can't remember. So let's talk about the ways the races are different. The biggest way, honestly, is the heroes. Unlike in StarCraft, where the three races are built kind of differently, they all have a core of a town hall building that can be upgraded twice to different tiers and they unlock new units at different tiers at tier two you get casters and siege units at tier three no, you siege get tunics that's a tunic you wear to a siege because it allows you to wear a yeah. trebuchet on your back and then you can get to the siege dungeon at tier three you get flying <laughs> units and usually a big melee unit and well the other thing that kind of differentiates them is how their base defenses are set up yeah there are some stuff they also all gain lumber differently Night elves have wisps that don't have to cut down trees. Humans have a... You can spend money to get wood faster. Orcs just get it like normal. They don't have anything special about it. And undead have to use their military units to cut down trees. They don't have a worker for it. And they also have different base defenses, like Zach said. Undead upgrade their farms into towers. And the aforementioned military units used for lumber harvesting. Yeah. Which is always kind of awkward when you see somebody attacking you with a whole bunch of ghouls and they're all carrying lumber. (laughs) Humans have to build a useless scout tower building before they can upgrade it to a military building, but they can also call all their peasants as a militia. Which are pretty crappy as defensive units go, but they can work as a nice stopgap if that's all you've got there at the time. At least enough time to buy time for your army to show up. Orcs can just build towers, and also their farms can basically work like bunkers, but only their workers can go in them, and then they can shoot. And then Night Elf, their production buildings are all trees that can attack and can stand up and go after people. And their farms uh, can be used to heal your offensive units, which is actually really powerful, but it takes time to recharge. But while there are a lot of surface-level differences like we're talking about, and that does give them all a different feel, the core feels very much the same. It's only really the heroes and the spells you have access to that differentiates them. And they do feel a bit different, but it's not like StarCraft, where they really feel unique. I mean, they do kind of still have that idea, but like Jeremy said, because of how the game is structured more around the heroes, that's where it's more important. Because, like, Night Elves are more rangy, so they're they're a little bit more fragile, but more ranged, like I said. Undead are kind of the Zerg side of things. A lot of their units are cheaper. They're not as durable. But, you know, you can resurrect more of them and swing a fight that way. Orcs are just your basic brute strength. And the humans have to be much more finesse and tactically sound to get a lot out of what they're doing. But there's no race that has the difference between, like, a a pair of Zerglings and a Marine, which are the same cost Mm -hmm. in StarCraft but behave completely differently. The Night Elf main grunt is a ranged unit, but it doesn't have the same different feel. Yeah, because um, with proper kiting, obviously, a, a Night Elf dude can kill a grunt, which is like the closest thing, because you could almost build two Night Elves for one grunt. And actually, you almost it was a lot closer in Reign of Chaos before they changed the cost for grunts. But 
it's not the same thing because you know you don't just get them you have to spend the doubled cost especially in food uh, the other thing and we didn't touch on this much in starcraft is that there was a huge custom game library that spun off of this you can play just random warcraft custom maps for pretty much forever dota is probably the biggest one dota is big enough that i don't think we're going to talk about it we might do it as an assignment but warcraft 3 basically inspired the moba <sighs> genre which is pretty huge because you take Warcraft 3 heroes, you take away all those other units, and then you have a MOBA. Yeah, that was kind of the idea, even though, like you, I think you mentioned it in the past, Aeon of Strife on StarCraft is where the... That's the, like where the, the steed starts, but you really don't get... It doesn't become a genre without these hero abilities. I played pretty much entirely Winter Mall. Yeah, there are lots of different tower defenses, including Winter Mall is my favorite. I always enjoyed tower defense in this game more than the tower defense mods in StarCraft for whatever reason. I... It's because of greater variability, because the Warcraft 3 custom game or map editor is a lot more varied, because in StarCraft you could have triggers and stuff, but you couldn't make a unit do something different from what it was initially programmed to do, whereas in Warcraft 3 you can make a unit into a tower, you can make a tower into a unit, and you can so change really how they interact. So really they just expanded the, the options available to the editors. Yeah, the, the editor became so big and changed around that it's actually one of the reasons why the StarCraft edi- the StarCraft 2 editor is so limited is because of the fact that Dota went out and made bank and Blizzard couldn't actually make any of that money. But there are RPGs you can play in this. There's the entire MOBA genre. There are tower defenses. There are just all sorts of different games you can really get your money out of. And I think this one's still sitting at what? Uh, is it twenty bucks for both of them? Or? Yeah, it's twenty yeah, bucks for the game each. and the expansion, which is like kind of expensive for like a how how old is this game now? Sixteen years. Yeah. Honestly, so. I still say it's probably still pretty worth it. Yeah, there are a lot more expensive games that aren't as good as this. That is true. It's more than I wanted to pay for, but maybe not more than it's worth. So, do we have any other final thoughts on this? It's one of my favorite games. I don't think it stacks up to StarCraft. We'll have that discussion very soon. But it is in a lot of ways more playable. Like, I would recommend it to someone. If someone was like, should I go play the first StarCraft? I'd probably be like, not really, but maybe play Warcraft 3. That said, I haven't played StarCraft Remastered, and that might have enough quality of life features that it would change my mind. There are so many quality of life things that we didn't actually touch on. In, like, selecting units, you can actually select collections of casters so that you can only, you can have them cast a spell without having to worry about it over much. It's it's so nice. The interface works really well. Pathfinding is a lot better. I think that's only if you compare it to StarCraft though, which is an ancient game. It's turning 20 pretty soon. Yeah, no, I'm I'm comparing it to StarCraft. If you compare it to most other MMOs, well, or MMOs, why would you do that? If you compare it to most other RTSs, a lot of these features are already there, but it is so much more playable than StarCraft is. The thing that makes me a little bit sad is that the Frozen Throne, not more of the maps, had those taverns on them to make those units more reliable. But yeah, that's that's what being... custom maps are for. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Any other final thoughts? It is actually one of my favorite games, just because I really like RTSs, and the, hero, and the hero element was always super cool to me. I, I love heroes. I love this game. I mean, I, I played a lot of this game throughout my life i actually before we started recording this episode i was actually playing it for fun just because i wanted to play warcraft 3 i'm sorry which is the same thing as i've been playing diablo as well but like i really like warcraft 3 i like rts's i like good rts's and there aren't very many yeah that is true there are a lot of really bland rts's yeah i guess my final thought is i'm just a little disappointed they didn't make another one like with all the stuff that goes on in the warcraft realm they could definitely add on and make another one, especially since they're making more for World of Warcraft. They're, they actually used a bunch of 
the campaign from Warcraft 3 in World of Warcraft to tell the story, but now they're expanding from that, and I think if they do that, they can add another Warcraft RTS. Especially I, taking what they've learned about making games generally, and that, like, Blizzard has made some pretty good games in the last 16 years. I don't the, think they will. No, they I don't, don't need either. to. Yeah, well, I don't think they're going to. The other big problem? Like the other big problem is StarCraft 2 didn't do well. So, like, why make Warcraft 4? Because it has a bigger fan base as a Warcraft franchise than a StarCraft franchise. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know that you actually get much transfer from the World of Warcraft. Either. They'll give the Warcraft Horde players something to go do while <laughs> they go and fix it. They, they won't because they don't need to because uh, Overwatch is doing really well from the microtransactions, as I understand it. World of Warcraft is still just printing money because of monthly subscriptions. And why burn all that extra cash to build an entirely new star uh not starcraft game uh, rts game from the ground up when you don't need to spend that money it's the same reason why valve is never going to make half-life 3 or another video game yeah, or another video game ever <laughs> yeah that too so speaking of video games we have a list of them on our website www.lasttimeonvideogames.com <coughs> or www.lastpodcasts.com it's easier to type i'm also probably going to go through and edit every single episode to change the url no i'm not but <laughs> yeah you're never gonna do yeah, that if i make some sort of machine learning algorithm that like learns to identify that part of speech and then like insert it insert a different sound maybe at the top is chrono trigger sounds like a fun hobby fun. a game full of heroes at the bottom of Cid is city connection a game that deserves a hero <laughs> that game doesn't deserve a hero in but the it needs one <laughs> In the middle is Blades of Steel, and I was going to make a joke about a hockey game with heroes, and then remembered the most recent NHL game was literally that. Uh, what? They have heroes, which are like famous characters, or characters, famous <laughs> players from the past on that team, and it's like this weird three-on-three arcade game, because no one buys EA's hockey games. So like, eh, screw it, let's just be weird with this one. I would like to see another official NFL Blitz, but they won't make it. No. So let's scroll way, way up to the top, because we just were talking about how this is one of our favorites. But I don't actually think it's as good as StarCraft. I, I do. I think <laughs> it, it shines in different areas, I think. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first, Zach, or do you want me to make my points first? You, you jumped right in there. So. Well, I think it's better than vanilla StarCraft, because that's what we're actually comparing. Yeah, it's it not to. Brood War. It's yes. not Brood War. Correct. We're comparing Warcraft 3 and its expansion, Frozen Throne, to baseline StarCraft. I think all the quality of life improvements this game made, all the steps forward it made, and all the steps forward that it made that work with the uh, the upkeep system, the heroes. Yes, the races are a little bit more bland when compared directly to one another. But the focus is on the heroes. But the focus is on the heroes, and they all feel different enough from one another in order to make the decision of which one do I want to build for what I'm going to do a viable option in every single game. So I would definitely say it's better than baseline StarCraft. So my argument against is I don't think the campaign is as well constructed. We talked about how weird it is that StarCraft tells all its story in the mission briefings, but I actually think that's a really good way to do it. It adds a context and like a rhythm to it that you get story level, story level. And Warcraft blends it, but it doesn't always do a very good job. And I find the campaign to be just a lot more going through the motions in Warcraft 3 than I did in StarCraft. And I kind of feel the same way about the skirmish or multiplayer mode, whatever you want to call it. I feel like games of Warcraft 3 end up being very samey in the way games of StarCraft don't. They're all about your build order, what hero you go after, and kind of massing your units and using your hero appropriately. I feel like they don't have the spontaneity of the StarCraft matches. I feel like I'm outvoted here, and that's <laughs> fine. I think they're very, very close. 
Tyler, you seem to be leaning towards Warcraft, and it certainly has the quality of life upgrades. I am slightly. That said, I definitely prefer the like mob creep. I don't know grunt building of starcraft just because they're a lot more varied like the races stand out a lot more in my head whereas i don't know that i could even name all six of the warcraft races there are only four yeah see there you go (laughs) there you go there's that's what's the other point i was going to make is that the zerg feels so unique and the protoss and terran therefore don't feel as samey as they actually are the four races here blend too much for my taste like i said i prefer starcraft it's incredibly close though so and Um, zach is on the warcraft side yeah, and I think I'm also on the Warcraft side. Do you, do you have any arguments, Chris? You've played both of these games. I would have to agree with the Warcraft, only because, almost like Jeremy said, it's a game I would rather go back to. I wouldn't suggest Starcraft, even though it is a good game. It's not a game I would like to go back to. Warcraft, I've always been debating on getting it. This gave me a reason, and now that I have it, I will probably be playing it on a weekly basis, just because, mainly because of the custom games. Um, after beating the campaign, you can go and play custom games, and there's so many different custom games that you can play, and it all, all of them has a different feel. As a rebuttal to that, though, there are quite a few different custom game types in StarCraft. There are a lot of in both of them. I just, like I said, if this was Brood War versus Frozen Throne... Which it will be eventually. Then I would definitely be on your side here, but because we're comparing... It's the same thing as with Diablo. We're comparing baseline to the expanded and improved game. And that's one of the main reasons why I don't think the baseline StarCraft is going to be better than that. So just like that, WarCraft 3 is our top 10, pushing out Super Mario World. And speaking of Diablo 2, do we think it's better than that? I absolutely do. But I'm the man who doesn't like Diablo 2 on this podcast, so... I really like Diablo 2. I like the feel of the game. I like that kind of dungeon crawl. It's one of those things I like doing every so often when it's like, I don't want to think. I just want to kill some stuff. But if you want to think and kill some stuff. I think (laughs) Warcraft 3 is a better game than Diablo 2 because it's got a lot more going on. You've got the different races, which you don't really get a whole lot of. And yeah, you can customize your character in Diablo 2 to get what you want out of it. You don't have the same degree of customization with Warcraft 3, but... In all honesty, there's a lot more stuff to do, ironically, because you're not just rerunning through the same campaign if, you play, if you're playing the skirmish modes in Warcraft 3, and you've also got those custom game modes. So I'd put it above Diablo 2. So it's got a longer shelf life once you pick it up. You have any thoughts, Tyler? I actually think I agree with Zach. It's got, like, there's enough more depth of gameplay. Like, Diablo 2 was fun. I kind of wish I had played on my own so I could go through the story, because everyone else had uh, already gone through it many many times in the past actually just me and just me and uh kevin i think and ed Ed. okay i don't know if i'd say many times oh well all right so now uh warcraft 3 faces a wall is it better than doom no i would Um, much much rather play warcraft 3 than doom any day of the week really yes any day of the week i put doom in front of me and warcraft 3 in front of me i will pick warcraft 3 i cannot think of a condition where i would pick doom all that said Doom is a better game. It's got a, <laughs> it's got a better soundtrack. It's more important, even though World of War, or, even though Warcraft Three spawned both World of Warcraft and MOBA style games, an entire giant genre, and it had a giant influence on the RTSs afterwards. It's still not quite as influential as Doom, and it doesn't have as good as a soundtrack. I mean, Doom <laughs> stole all the good metal music, so that's why it has a better soundtrack. But creative borrowing. All right, do you have any thoughts, Tyler? Yeah, I was going to argue in favor of Doom, but you did it for me, so... All right, so Warcraft 3 has now created the Blizzard block at number 7, above <laughs> Diablo 2 and StarCraft, and below Doom. <laughs> the Blizzard block? I don't think anything... Well, you know, they're very consistent. So. 
Yeah, except for that first game they made. I can't even remember what it's called. Rally Race Death Monster Park. Like, that is one of the best reveals in a random YouTube video, right? <laughs> the way he casually blows that out. If you've never gone to Silicon Systems' website, well, that's fine. It doesn't exist. That company changed its name to Blizzard Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> this is this rally game, the worst game on the NES. Super NES. Super NES. Oh, I mean, you say that. There are much worse games on the Super Nintendo. No, that's, that's what that guy said, not me. All right, so speaking of bad games, Chris, you went through this podcast with us, which means you get to pick a game, good or bad, for us to play next week. What would you like to pick? Uh, We are going to be playing a game that's close to my heart. Well, used to be after. (laughs) That's that's never a good thing to bring up on this podcast, (laughs) what I've learned. Stonekeep. I have never heard of this. What is Stonekeep? It's a really old dungeon crawling game. yeah, just a dungeon crawler game. It's first person. It was a lot of fun way back when. We'll see if it still is. So next time on Last Time, Stone, keep it away from me. This has been a production of Last Time on Video Games. Copyright 2018. All games, movies, and other media mentioned in this podcast are copyright their respective owners. If you wish to listen to more episodes, visit us at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com where you can see the entire archive. If you wish to get in contact with us, you can email us at ltobg at lasttimeonvideogames.com. This episode is over. Try listening to another one? Cackle, cackle, cackle.